Hello, word nerds. Welcome to another episode of The Dictionary. Today is June 21st, so this is two days after Juneteenth. Um, I don't think I mentioned anything about Juneteenth um, on in the episode that aired that day, because when I recorded that episode, um, it was probably at least a few weeks earlier, and I honestly didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, but, you know, right after that, obviously, there was, there's been a lot of talk about Juneteenth, and I have been learning more. Um, and then just this morning, I was talking to my wife, and um, she has been doing more reading about it than I have, but uh, she said that there's a lot of talk about how there there are some people who are saying Juneteenth, especially if it becomes a national holiday, that it would be um, like the next Independence Day. But that isn't really accurate because, um, and I'm, I'm mentioning this um, partly because I didn't say anything about Juneteenth, but this episode that you're hearing today is airing on July 4th, 2020, which is the, you know, Independence Day, what we here in America call Independence Day. Um, So there's a lot of talk about saying, no, Juneteenth isn't the next Independence Day because at the time of July 4th, 1776, even though we were independent from England, that didn't mean that every person in America was free. So, you know, it, it wasn't completely accurate. Um, so Juneteenth, um, I think the year was 1865, um, would uh, more accurately be considered a- an Independence Day. Um, and so, you know, that there's obviously going to be a lot of discussion about that over the next months and possibly even years. Um, but at the very least, it should absolutely be a federal holiday. I believe that. And I think just yesterday I saw that some senators um, were uh putting out a bill, hopefully, to turn it into a national holiday. So, fingers crossed that that happens. Um, But today is um, Independence Day, July 4th, what we have been celebrating for like 250 years. And uh, it's, I think it's a Saturday. So, yesterday, all of you people probably had the day off of work. I think I mentioned that in the last episode. Um, So, anyway, let's talk about words. The first word is blanket. This is the second form. It is a verb from 1605. It says transitive verb, and I think there are no intransitive definitions. So number one, to cover with or as if with a blanket, as in new grass blankets the slope. 2a, to cover, so as to obscure, interrupt, suppress, or extinguish as in blanket a fire with foam. To be, to interrupt the smooth flow of wind, wind too. That's a weird uh, ending to a sentence. To interrupt the smooth flow of ex- of wind too, as a down downwind ship. And then we have to see, to apply or cause to apply to uniformly despite wide separation or diversity among the elements included, as in Freight weights, no, freight rates that blanket a region. To be, to cause to be included, as in automatically blanket, blanketed into the program. Also as in towns blanketed into the district. Now we have the third form of blanket. It is an adjective from 1886. One, effective or applicable in all instances. Number two covering all members of a group or class, as in a blanket wage increase. 
Oh, speaking of that, I think I just heard that uh, Target increased, permanently increased their uh, wage to $15 an hour. So that is good. Now we have the word blanket chest. Two words, noun from 1849. A piece of furniture with a hinged lid, a deep well, and usually one or two drawers underneath. Next is blanket flower, one word, noun from 1878, and we have the synonym gallardia, G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D-I-A, gallardia, probably something like that. Uh, now, I wonder why they call it a blanket flower. Is it a flower that just sort of ro- just sort of spreads out along the ground? Maybe. Now we have blanket stitch. Two words, noun from 1873. A buttonhole stitch with spaces of variable width, width, used on materials too thick to hem. Oh, too thick to hem. Too, T-O-O. Um, and blanket stitch is also a transitive verb. And we have a picture of a blanket stitch. Um, this is going to be way too hard to describe. There's the uh, the needle with the thread, and then it shows where the thing is, and then there's some stitches. <laughs> Maybe I can post a picture. Uh, now we have blanky, B-L-A-N-K-I-E, noun from 1921, a child's blanket. I think most of us have probably had a blankie. I know I did. Um, I probably still have it in storage somewhere, but I haven't seen it for a long time. My friend had a blanket. Uh, you know, he had his blankie, but instead of calling it a blankie, I do not know why uh, this was its name, but he named it Juji, <laughs> which I always thought was kind of funny. Okay, now we have blank slate. Oh, by the way, I should probably mention, I, I we became friends when we were like three years old. So, of course, we always had our, our blankies or, or our judges with us at that age. Um, next is blank slate. Two words, noun from 1980. And we have the synonym tabula rasa. Tabula, T-A-B-U-L-A, rasa, R-A-S-A. I think those are, uh, it's a Latin phrase for blank slate. Uh, I learned about this, I think maybe in, in high school, sophomore year or something. Um, this has been a concept actually that I think about to this day. Um, I am not going to get into that obviously, cause that's a whole conversation, but it, it, you know, has to do with the idea of nature and nurture and you, when you're first born, you are this blank slate, you are this tabula rasa. And because of all of the things that you interact with, the people and the situations that you are in in your life, all of those um, start to form your personality. And throughout your entire life, some some big, some small, you become who you are. Um, and it's all started because of this blank slate. All right, next we have blank verse. Two words, noun from 1588. Unrhymed verse. Specifically, unrhymed iambic pentameter verse. Uh, a lot of people think that poetry and, and the like should rhyme. That's obviously not necessarily true. Um, personally, just the way my brain works, I do like like it when they rhyme. Um, but I'm not a poet. I do not write it. That was not rhyming. Next, we have blanquette. It's the fancy way to say blanket. B-L-A-N-Q-U-E-T-T-E. This is a noun from 1717. A stew of light meat or seafood in a white sauce, as in blanquette of veal, 
or blanquette of lobster. This is French from the Occitan blanquetto, from blanc, which means white, of Germanic origin, akin to the Old High German blanche, that's probably not how they say it, which means white, and there's more at the word blank. Now we have Blair, B-L, is that? Yeah, that's an L. B-L-A-R-E. It is the first form, verb, from the 15th century. First, we have an intransitive definition, to sound loud and strident, as in radios blaring. And now we have a couple uh, transitive definitions. Number one, to sound or utter raucously, as in sat blaring the car horn. Number two, to proclaim flamboyantly, as in headlines blared his defeat. Uh, this is from Middle English, blaren, akin to the MD. Is that Middle Dutch? Maybe. It's been so many months and I still haven't marked where these abbreviations are. Hold on. Gotta put the microphone down. Yes, it is Middle Dutch. Okay. Now we have... Oh, Middle Dutch, uh, Blaren, which means to shout. Now we have the second form of Blair. It is a noun from 1796. One, a loud, strident noise. Number two, dazzling, often garish brilliance. Dazzling, often garish brilliance. And then number three is the synonym flamboyance. Now we have the word blarney. It is a noun from 1780. One, skillful flattery. Synonym is blandishment. Number two, synonyms are nonsense and humbug. And then blarney is also a verb. So this is from the Blarney Stone, which is a stone in the Blarney Castle, which is near Cork, Ireland. It is held to bestow skill in flattery on those who kiss it. So if you kiss it, you will have the skill of flattery? You can flatter people? Why? Okay, whatever. Um, Next we have Blase. B-L-A-S-E. There is an accent on the E. You can also spell it without the accent if you so choose. This is an adjective from 1819. One, apathetic to pleasure or excitement as a result of excessive indulgence or enjoyment. Uh, Synonym is world-weary. World-weary. Number two, synonyms are sophisticated and worldly-wise. There's a hyphen in worldly-wise. Number three, Synonym is unconcerned. And then finally, we have a synonym for the whole thing, sophisticated. And now we have the word blaspheme. It is a verb from the 14th century. Intransitive is first, to utter blasphemy. And then transitive definitions. One, to speak of or address with irreverence. Number two, synonyms are revile and abuse. Blasphemer is a noun. Uh, Let's see. This is from Middle English, blasphemen, from Latin, blasphemare, and there's more at the word blame. Now we have blasphemous, adjective from uh, the 15th century. Impiously irreverent, synonym is profane. Blasphemously is an adverb, and blasphemousness is a noun and a hard word to say because there's so many S sounds. Blasphemousness. 
Uh, all right, our last word is blasphemy. B-L-A-S-P-H-E-M-Y. Noun from the 13th century. 1A, the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God. 1B, the act of claiming the attributes of deity. And number two, irreverence towards something considered sacred or inviolable. Uh, No etymology on that one. So we have to pick a word of the episode. And when I say we, I mean me, myself, and I. Um, (laughs) You know, these were all fine. I guess I'll uh, pick blanky as the word of the episode because... Uh, you know, for nostalgia reasons, we all we all loved our blankie when we were young. That is going to be it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, this has been Spencer dispensing information to you. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>